Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. I will be joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. On this show, we will break down the return of Riley Kugel to Gainesville. We'll also talk about the Gators' big start in the portal. Obviously, they added Edge Jarvis on our last show. We talked about him. They now add Walter Clayton Jr., a, the MAC Player of the Year from Iona. Uh, transfers to Gainesville, Florida wins a head-to-head with Brittino. They also added Micah Hanlockton, a seven-foot-one big man from Marshall, the Sun Belt Freshman of the Year. So, big pieces being added. Remember, the Florida Basketball Hour is brought to you by the Gatorverse, an exclusive community dedicated to connecting University of Florida fans and student-athletes. Members receive access to exclusive autograph collectibles, real-life experiences, giveaways, VIP events and rewards and athletes like Trinity Thomas, who will compete for the national title on Saturday, receive a majority of revenue from the sales of these collectibles. To find out more about becoming a Gatorverse member in Locker Mania, which brings you the Gatorverse, visit Gatorverse.io. That's Gatorverse.io. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, among other places. Eric, it has been 10 days since we recorded anything, and in that span, Riley Kugel has come back to Florida. Uh, Walter Clinton Jr. has picked Florida over St. John's and his head coach, Rick Pitino, who might be the best schematic basketball coach on the planet in college. Uh, And... Micah Hanlock in the Sunbelt Freshman of the Year has also picked Florida. So we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, to start with the uh, the big scheduled game um, between Merrimack um, or perhaps the opener uh, against, uh, what was it, Loyola, Mer- was it Maryland? Yeah, I forgot which Loyola. I know that's what people want to hear about for sure, but no, yeah. we'll we'll, uh, we'll get into the players. Um, uh, just in order of what you mentioned. I mean, um, I I had said on the podcast, and I think I said it at a time when I thought um that uh, Kugel wouldn't come back, and it wasn't sourced. It was just um on the assumption of, hey, I think someone's gonna give him a pretty good NBA opportunity, and uh, therefore I think he's gone. Um, that was the only I had no no sourcing on it. Um. I had mentioned that if Riley Kugel came back, that almost certainly I was going to be more excited about that than any transfer portal addition. And I think I will still remain with that, um, that opinion. I I think that, you know, there's, there's maybe a couple guys out there that would have changed things, you know, that I would have thought would be more valuable than bringing Riley Kugel back. Um, but uh, very, very few. I, I think that getting Riley Kugel back is absolutely gigantic. Um, I think, and I honestly think in a lot of ways, it's much bigger than people think. I mean, again, it's, 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 again, it's funny to see how conditioned fans are um, at, at different times. Like I still remember when, when the Gators got, Canyon Barry as a graduate transfer in what was, you know, just a completely different college basketball environment, even though it wasn't that long ago. And I feel like a lot of people were like, Oh, cool. Where I was like, Hey, I'm pretty sure this is like a massive deal. And, but people just weren't conditioned to the impact of a graduate transfer at the time. And now I feel like people are so conditioned to care about the portal, care about who's coming in next. I think that 
people have just missed the missed the boat a lot when it comes to players that have proven production at, at the highest level coming back. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's gigantic. Um, really, really good things, really huge thing for the Gators to, to bring him back and uh, very quickly getting Riley Kugel back, um, you know, put, put a huge centerpiece um, in, in, in place here for the upcoming season. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think he was probably the best freshman. Well, he certainly in the last month of the season, he was the best freshman in the SEC that wasn't Brendan Miller, right? And unlike Brendan Miller, it wasn't <clears throat> like Riley was almost 21. So, hmm. um, you know, there's a year or two of growth, I think, for Riley just as a player that Brendan Miller has already experienced. I'm not comparing them at all. I'm just talking about like, you know, it'd be kind of ridiculous to compare the two players. They're not remotely similar, but I think um, – the point is that there's a maturity level that's still going to happen with Riley Kugel that um, as a basketball player that, you know, just because of his age uh, that, that Brandon Miller already experienced, that's the only situation there. So Florida returns what was sort of a bona fide, you know, all SEC, all freshman player who was becoming a star. Um, and I think that's just massive. It's massive for a couple of reasons. One, and I actually got, some pushback on Twitter about this that I probably rightly deserve is kind of characterizing him as saying like, yo, you build your roster around him because he's ball dominant because he's your star. Uh, he hits 45% of his shots. And that was like the area where people were like, well, do you think he can do better than that? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to be a volume shooter. I think he's going to be a ball dominant player. So yeah, I think Florida's going to build their roster around him. And we're going to get to how Micah Hanglocked in is like a piece that fits that and edge Jarvis, I think is a piece that fits that. But um, as we get into this on the show, but I also think, you know, let's, what if he doesn't shoot better than 45? Like that's still pretty decent given the volume that he's going to take. And he was a better shooter than that the last month of the year. Remember like his effective field goal percentage in February and March was 53.2. So, I mean, that's pretty high um, given how many shots he was taking the last few games and I just think it's just a huge deal. And I'm not going to wet blanket Walter Clayton Jr. at all. I promised myself that I wouldn't do that to our fans. And I also think Walter Clayton Jr. is pretty darn good. But I do think this is a bigger deal. Unquestionably. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get to Walter Clayton for, for more of that. And um, But, uh, yeah, I, I think that the – and, again, that's kind of what I had on my mind when I was thinking about, like, I, I almost feel like, Riley Kugel coming back hasn't been as big of a deal as I, as I thought is because I feel like the biggest fanfare so far of the off season has been getting Walter Clayton and good for Walter Clayton. That's awesome. Of course, there's the local ties. And I think when, uh, for a lot of casual fans, when they see like Ahmad black and guys that are currently on the football team, recruiting a basketball player, that's going to register. And that's, and that's cool. Hey, I, 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 I love that. Um, but Riley Kugel is an infinitely better player than, than Walter Clayton. I think his impact is going to be, I shouldn't say infinitely better. That's, that's an exaggeration, but I do think that Riley Kugel is a much better player. Who's going to have a much bigger impact. And uh, I'll just say it again, that I've said many times in many contexts. And I did say it on the show in the context of Riley Kugel, but every single year um, mid-major transfers get overrated. Um, and for many of them, 
a great, great outcome would be if they can just like hang at the high major level as like a fifth starter or a six man. And Riley Kugel has shown that he can be the best player on the floor in an SEC game. That is like reserved for the like for three or four mid-major transfers a year, really, to get up to that level. And again, will Riley Kugel, you know, play like he did the last month for an entire season? Maybe or maybe not. And I think that's another thing too, just about like when people are like, oh, I didn't really see some of this, but as you described the people saying, responding to you saying like, oh, that the Gators, when you said the Gators should should build around him, it's like, if he does, if he gets no better than he was in the last month of the season, that's still one of the, better players in the sec (laughs) like you know what i mean like with the opportunity that of course like he could get better which he probably should from a freshman to sophomore um so yeah i just uh i i will just maintain that this is uh if if you put florida's transfers the players that they have gotten and and maybe will get and put riley kugel into that mix um I, i you know it's for riley kugel that's like an a plus plus bringing him back i i really do think it's big in a way that like has not been totally embraced by fans yet. Yeah. It's monstrous. And for perspective on it, effective field, I mentioned his effective field percentage in February and March um, at, at 58, three, but uh, in conference play, just in sec play, he was third in the league in effective field goal percentage. He was fifth in the league in total shot percentage at 61%. He was eighth in the league at two point percentage at 58.5. And he was sixth in the league in three-point percentage at 41%. That's just SEC play. So that's the type of player he was in the league, which is when he was getting his run. And really, that's like a 10-game stretch because, remember, he he missed a game. He was a coach's decision DNP in a game. He was essentially a coach's decision game DNP against in another game, except they needed him to go in and foul somebody in the last 30 seconds. Um and he was under 10 minutes in four other league games. So really you're dealing with like a guy that played two thirds of the league and put up those types of numbers and you're returning him to your team, knowing that he's likely to improve in certain ways, even if like the overall statistical numbers are kind of the same. Um, doesn't mean he can't improve as a player. Um, we saw some growth defensively, for example, at the end of the year uh, that, could continue. And yeah, it's a piece you build around. And and there are reasons why all the guys that they've added so far. And I think the guys that they are targeting to add are all kind of pieces that are going to complement Riley Kugel. And so Neil, what would you say if someone said, um, you know, Neil, uh, two years ago, Kwesi Reeves really played well for, you know, the last month of the season when games were not particularly consequential. And as a sophomore, he did not do very well. Um, Well, Riley Kugel played really well the last month of the season when games were, you know what, really not all that consequential. The Gators were not really close to the NCAA tournament. What would be your response to someone who uh, would be hesitant after seeing Kwesi Reeves have a really good end to the season, but not follow it up with a very good sophomore year? Yeah, I mean, I just think there's a bit of a longer sample size with with Kugel if you actually look at those those numbers. But I do think, you know, I think it's it's it merits worry. I mean, you know, maybe Riley got off on a little bit of a heater and was overinflated. At the same time, I don't think there were a ton of consensus situations where Kowasi Reeves came back and was projected to become a first round draft pick. 
Mm. Um, so I guess I'd say longer sample size and then more, my second response would be like more people have to be wrong this time, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I've been, you know, hopefully I didn't put that into the ether because I, I just like, I, I didn't actually heard that take, but I'm sure someone would think, no, and, and again, like, that's just the one. Advocate. And, and, and I mean, the other thing too, is just like, it's it's still like we can talk numbers but i still think it's yeah the, the it's the film it's the way he did it like um the way that riley kugel was 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 scoring um in a way that was like you know a lot still it was a lot of tough buckets in an offense that wasn't very good so you just got to think if the offense is better which would be like you know i can't imagine it would be worse but kind of maybe thought that after the last season of Mike White, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I don't, I, I don't think uh, better or worse than, than this year's, whatever it ended in Ken Palm. Um, it will be on, on, on Jake Winderman's uh, uh, over under for next year's show, which at some point, <laughs> at some point we got to have Jake back on to, uh, yeah. oh, to, to go through our, uh, our preseason predictions, which is going to be a comedic show. For sure. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm I, I'm on the side of, and again, I know some people also might roll their eyes at us because we were really excited for Kwesi Reeves to come back. And again, I don't know how many. I feel like there's for so many people that don't didn't love Kwesi Reeves, they're just they don't see him and Will or uh, Will Richard, Riley Kugel is similar players whatsoever. But maybe someone out there is going to be like, well, you know, these guys were were pretty excited for Kwesi Reeves to come back, and you know, he wasn't great as a sophomore. So maybe some people are expecting um, a little bit of uh, you know not as much production from Riley Kugel, but. Um, yeah, I think it's an, an, an impressive, impressive story to bring him back. I, I, I'm curious how much deliberation at all he had about potentially going pro. Um, maybe that story will come out at some point. But uh, yeah, huge piece. Definitely one that should be built around. And I think that uh, we have seen it built around with with a couple of the guys that, uh, that they've acquired so far. Well, I can speak to the deliberation piece a little bit. If, if our listeners, I'm sure our listeners have at least some interest. I know that, I mean, there were genuine discussions that were had about um, the possibility of a two-way deal in particular. Um, That was, you know, like I said, and I think Eric knows this, but maybe newer listeners don't. Like, I'm not going to come on to my podcast that I've built from the ground up with Eric and just spout off some hot take. Uh, Like, so, you know, I kind of thought that this would happen. I did not have the sequencing at all right um i thought we'd be waiting a little bit longer but i did feel like riley was going to come back and a lot of that was based on the fact that he had had a lot of those discussions um almost immediately after the season ended with both his circle from the orlando area and his aau coaches in particular um as well as with ben weatherspoon at ucf um with johnny dawkins um who, you know, I guess knows the Kugel family and was kind enough to talk to him. And then some folks from the magic organization that they know kind of provided some insight. So there were some, some discussions with NBA front office people with people that they trust and respect. And essentially what they heard was, look, if you come back and play the way you did in February, somebody's going to take you in the lottery. Um, that, you know, or they're going to take you right at the edge of the lottery where you're a first round draft pick and your contract is guaranteed and, and quite larger than a two way deal is. Uh, Plus um, as we also reported on the podcast a few months ago, and this was more reporting than speculation. If we're being totally fair about it, Eric, you know, Florida's in a really good position in IL wise uh, in basketball. 
um, and they had been preparing for this for months. So I think the combination of those two things helped accelerate the decision for Riley. Yeah. And of course, like, I think a lot of people are asking about what the NIL situation is. Um, I haven't asked. I don't really care to ask. I'd be interested to know for sure, but uh, uh, you know, maybe those numbers will, will come out at, at, at some point, but um, yeah, yeah, pretty clear that uh, NIL is, as is not an issue for, for the Gators um, <laughs> right now. I can tell you that from uh, not actually not Florida reporting, but from, uh, from, from players and people close to, to players. Um, yeah. There's that. Um, are not current Gators or didn't, you know, didn't even end up going to, to get to Florida, but uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty confident that, um, you know, people are taking, taking care of and, and, you know, Florida's hitting on their targets. I don't want to say that that's exclusively because of NIL, um, but uh, it's, 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 the NIL has to be there um, to land certain quality of, of players. And uh, that's what the Gators have been able to do so far. So um, yeah, talking about building around, um, around Riley Kugel um, and, rebuilding a front court that was already thin last year and became, I don't even know what's less than, than thin when, when Colin Castleton gets injured. Um, but uh, clearly the Gators needed a lot of help in the front court and uh, they got a name that I think a lot of people were very, very excited for in Marshall center, uh, Micah Handlockton. Yeah, pretty exciting. I mean, you know, I saw a couple people say, Oh, is this Florida's Norchad O'Meara? And I'm tapping the brakes on that a little bit. Um, for for a couple of reasons, one, it's like not again. We're dealing with players that just aren't remotely similar, um, and and two, you know, Omir was not just a freshman player of the year. He was the conference first team all league and the Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Year. So uh, slightly different, but Marshall was pretty good last year. So that's the first thing I would say. Like they were twenty four and eight, and that's a pretty good record. Um, you know, Dan. As you might guess, Dan D'Antoni's team played stupid fast. Uh, and so what Florida gets here, um, I think, interestingly, is somebody that that has some of Colin Castleton's like rim runner qualities. Um, and I think that's nice when you think about him with Riley Kugel. But then also, uh, you know, he's just a menace on the glass. And then they get a guy who was blossoming by the end of the year into one of the nation's best shot blockers as opposed to just a nice freshman who can block shots. Um, so, you know, a really good piece. And I think more importantly, something that we discussed on our Patreon listener question show, a guy with multiple years of, of eligibility, Eric. Yeah. It's an interesting one for sure. I think it tells you, like, I think a lot of people are going to say like, Oh, there's going to be pressure on the Gators to make the NCAA tournament and 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 you know do some winning this year, um, which you know I think there should be quite quite frankly, um, and not to say that I think that the current staff is on the hot seat or anything like that, but uh, I do think there's going to be some 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 serious pressure to make the tournament, which I don't think is unfair certainly um, at Florida, but uh, it was going to be interesting to see, and I'm very interested all around college basketball at all levels um, how much different teams are trying to weigh in the portal, getting guys that are um, able to help right away and how much they go for guys with multiple years of, of, of eligibility and, and team control. And uh, obviously the Gators feel fairly, you know, comfortable in, in, in what they're doing with, with someone like Hanlockton, who I'm going to ask you, Neil, how much you think Hanlockton is going to be able to c- contribute right away. Um, but uh, certainly someone who I think that when you get a player that's coming from, 
Sunbelt is a freshman, you're thinking, you know, you're that that player's best basketball ahead of him is not in this season. It's probably in two or three years. So um it's uh yeah, it's an upside play on on someone who's seven foot one and again for a staff that's very into numbers. Um, if I quickly pull up on Ken Palm, um so when it comes to defensive rebounding, he was 27th in the country in defensive rebounding rate. He was 41st in the country in offensive rebound rate. He was 27th in the country in block rate. Um, and uh, he was um, ninth in the country in effective field goal percentage. Um, and if you want to go to another one, you could say that he was shooting 71.1% from two-point range, which was 10th in the country. So um, a lot of numbers like that that are just uh, – um, you know, really, really good um, rates, which is something to uh, um, I'll throw this, you know, now I'll throw it back to you. Um, it is important to look at rates with, with him it's, and with shooting, because um, while he had big shot blocking numbers um, somewhere around two or over two um, big rebounding numbers, um, I think just under 10 um, points wise, not super productive while he was very efficient. And I think that that's going to be the one big thing with Hanlockton right now is offensively he is extremely limited um at least in my opinion and I can talk about that more if you'd like but um when you you, you know I and and again this won't be breaking news the ga- people see that if you're listening to this podcast you're probably seeing who the Gators are contacting in the portal on Twitter um they're trying to get another center there's you know pretty clear about that but yep. um do you think that Hanlockton is someone who could start next year or what are your expectations for Hanlockton this upcoming season yeah, it's not to start. It's to play 15 minutes to give Florida an impact shot blocker off the bench. Again, I think he's a rim. I think he can be effective as a rim runner next season, just because he's he's played in a system where he did a lot of that. And you know, he's seven foot one. He moves pretty well. We know he can dunk. I think he's a decent passer. Um, from from you know, I didn't do a deep film dive. Uh, hint hint, Patreons. But um, you know what I did see is is a guy who has decent, you know, passing ability, uh, not really comfortable offensively shooting the ball yet. Uh, but, um, not a ton of post moves, uh, but you know, his, he's got good genes. His dad played in the NBA. I think he played in Europe forever. Uh, so, you know, I think some of that stuff will come, but it, if you're counting on it to be next year, then I think you're probably misreading the take a little bit. Uh, that would just kind of be my view on it, Eric. And maybe you can speak to what you saw that that would t- would speak to that to him being a little limited offensively, in particular. Well, you hinted at it, so I don't I don't know why we hinted. Yeah, we want people to go to do it. Did you? Do, but for Patreon, um, I have uh, I've been doing kind of some some film studies um, on each of Florida's incoming transfers. Did you watch yeah. the hand locked in one yet? I don't know if you were implying you watched it yet or not. I have not. I watched. Uh, uh, I watched the Ed Jarvis one, which was, which was marvelous. Um, so I, I, yeah, because you haven't, yeah, the, the Hadlocks in one is not out yet. And just before recording this one, I also recorded the Walter Clayton one, which a lot of people are going to want to watch. Um, I'm going to make a prediction, Neil, and say that after you watch it, you are not going to be particularly high on Hadlockton's passing ability. Um, let me just say that. Okay. Um, so, so again, it's, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that like, negatives about hand locked it and again let us view this all through a lens of he is a freshman with multiple years to play and when it comes to evaluating transfers to florida it's generally been guys that are um you know often grad transfers um or at least guys that 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 played multiple years like the anthony derugy um, tyree appleby with you know 
a redshirt year. So it's a little different. And again, I, I had some skepticism about some of the things about Will Richards game. He had a much better season than, um, than I expected though. Some people were trying to, you know, dunk on me for being so off on my prediction. And I was like, well, the difference between five points and 10 points is, you know, a hundred percent, but it's also, you know, not taking your team from the NIT to the NCAA tournament. You know, it's, I don't feel like, you know, that's this as far off as I am on a player. I that's, that's all right. Being, you know, five points off, but anyways, with hand locked in again, his, his numbers are like exclusively finishing off offensive rebounds where he actually was very below average from an efficiency standpoint, finishing on offensive rebound putbacks. Um, so there's some touch issues there. You also see touch issues with his passing ability, um, which I feel like again, was a lot more of his um, something you'll see on the video. Our Patreon subscribers will see this was if he catches the ball in the short roll, he is looking to one read every single time. And he threw it straight into the hands of opposing players mm. many, many times, because as soon as he caught the ball and saw help, he knew where he was going to try to pass that ball. And it was, it was crazy. He hit guys in the chest every single time defenders. Um, Cause he was got, you know, just one read. So that's something that like basketball IQ wise, you think it, it can come, but um, he does have some problems with his hands. Um, again, it's weird, which is weird to say because he's such a good offensive rebounder. So he's squeezing a lot of those things. But when it comes to catching passes, he bobbled a lot. When it comes to dribbling the ball at all in the post, bobbled it a lot. So there, there there's, there's issues there um, for sure. And then the one last thing I wanted to see what you thought, and uh, it will be interesting to hear this take now and maybe after you watch, you know, 25 minutes or 30 minutes of, of handlocked in film that I did. Um, I'm curious what you think about him as, as a defensive player. What did you, what did you see um, from him on the defensive end? Oh, I'm so glad you teed me up for where I was going to go. Cause like, again, and I haven't watched as much as you, but what I did see um, from watching a few Marshall games on that I could find on YouTube was, <laughs> and on ESPN plus, thank God for that service. Uh, you, you see a guy who is a good shot blocker, but started to have real foul trouble issues late in the season. And the reason that I think he was having foul trouble issues is like high school attack a shot blocker in the chest drill. And like when drivers went at him, um, his inevitable decision-making was to try to engage those drivers as opposed to use his length. And I think that that created problems for him. I mean, shot blockers were really able to get, or, or drivers were really able to get into his body. Um, and it also meant that he was a little too eager to step to drives, um, I thought. And so when he stepped to drive, it created help problems for Marshall defensively. So I saw sort of two things that I didn't particularly like. And I think they're a big reason his production went down late in the season. Like if you look at his numbers, Eric, um, he had eight double doubles by mid February and didn't have one again. Um, and I think a lot of that was that he was fouling out of a couple games um, or that he was sitting on the bench with three or four fouls. And Dan D'Antoni was not like sitting him when he got two either. I mean, they're two foul participation central station there. So, um, you know, those are just kind of my initial thoughts about him as a defender. Yeah, it's just something that, like, again, I see some people on Twitter that are like, oh, defensive anchor, you're going to cornerstone, be the like the rock of the defense. And I think that that's just exclusively because they see the shot, like the block shot numbers, which are really impressive. And I think that that just paints a picture of his defensive ability that isn't quite there yet, or isn't really close to that to there yet. And again, people who subscribe to Patreon and, and see the, the film breakdowns will see that, like, again, like, 
almost all of his block shots were like around the rim guard like pump fakes pump fakes pump fakes and then tries to shoot it over top of him and he gets it with his length which is great like it's great to have but like he had very few like help side shot um, block shots like it wasn't like guys are making mistakes and he's rotating over and contesting a shot at the rim like when you think about what it actually is to like anchor a defense and like lock down the paint that's just not really what he does. I think a lot of people see the shot block numbers. And I think he's going to be Colin Castleton or Kavarius Hayes. And it's just, that's just not it. And again, will he develop that? Like maybe, but right now it's not like he has the the foot speed or anticipation to, to really do that. And again, it's one of those things that like, there's people that are like, Oh, he's going to anchor the defense. And it's like, well, Marshall wasn't very good defensively. And he was, you know, he didn't, anchor, he didn't anchor that and bring them to being like great defensively. So I, yeah, again, I just I, I think people need to see him as a little bit more of a long term play um, than a short term play. And again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But like, I think there's a lot of people that have him as a starter and uh, I'm not quite there yet. And again, like strength is another thing um, that um, he's going to need to d- develop a lot more of. And again, it's it's, it's definitely shown um, in a Sunbelt conference when there's a lot of like very, very post-up heavy teams like James Madison's a team that really, really posts up Louisiana. The team that, that won the conference is like very, very like physical um, post up every single time down the floor. So like he was a seven foot one skinny guy in a league of like six foot eight, 240 pound below the rim bangers. But like, it was crazy. Like, you know, there was like, like this, this, this center named Joe Charles, who's like six foot seven and 210 pounds. And every single time he posted up and just like lowered his shoulder and, and, and knocked hand locked it into the first row and laid it in. And that was like a guy who was significantly smaller. And, and uh, it was almost like comical to see um, where like, you'd think that playing against a seven foot one player in a mid-major conference teams would try to like stay away from him, hand locked in a little bit, but like, there's a lot of teams who were like confidently going, putting a six foot seven guy in on the inside playing four round one and just like getting them post isolations to go and hand locked in it, which maybe tells you something. So, so again, I, I think that's like a, a, it's, it's not a, it's not a player. I wish the Gators didn't take that's, that's for sure. I think it's a, a good player with, um, and again, these are the players that have been staying around college basketball for four years. So this is a player that the Gators could get three years of production from. And while I don't think he's a starting caliber player this year could be for two years after that. And that's, if you get backup production, that's solid and two years of starting out of a player in today's day and age, um, that's fantastic. But uh, yeah, right now I do think he is much more project than player, which um, I, you know, I just want people to kind of be aware of that with their um, expectations and, um, you know, and with, you know, the Gators going after another center, who's probably going to be a little bit more of a veteran guy. Um, you know, that's like you mentioned earlier, I think they're trying to bring in another guy to start and have handlocked and coming off the bench. Yeah, I think they are. I mean, you know, Jack Nunji just went pro today. Um, I guess had the ability to play a sixth season from some sort of medical situation. And, uh, in any event, uh, he was, you know, one of the reasons that he left Iowa was that he just had so much work to do offensively. And he was kind of just this guy that they could throw out there that could block shots at the rim and grab rebounds. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, he added 20 pounds when he got to Xavier and, and became an all big East player. And so like, 
I don't hate that comparison, like for that type of growth uh, for, for Micah. There's a little bit of that there, but again, I think this is a 15 minute type guy next season and it's imperative that Florida grab uh, another center. What I will say is that when he's on the floor, his ability to offensive rebound is probably going to be pretty good. And that's going to be good when your star player misses 55% of his shots. So like as a piece on next year's team, like some of it makes sense too, Eric, but the piece that makes even more sense is Walter Clayton Jr. Who Florida recruited to play football, just like most everybody else. Um, a pretty well-liked football recruit. His offers in basketball were Iona, East Carolina, and Jacksonville. He picked the Gales. Uh, those were his D1 offers. He picked the Gales. He became the MAC, M-A-A-C, player of the year uh, last season. And I think what he gives Florida most of all, not to hint at what my criticisms are, but I think what he gives Florida most of all is a guy to get the ball too late in the game and just one of the best catch and shoot players in the sport. Yeah, that's one thing. So again, I literally stopped recording the Walter Clayton video for Patreon like two minutes before we started recording. So it is very fresh on my mind and his catch and shoot ability is fantastic. Um, so by the numbers, um, for starters, he took 101 catch and shoot threes. So the sample size is pretty good. And he hit 50 of them. So 49.5% on catch and shoot threes. Um, so that is like lethal. And watching his, um, again, watching the tape, like he has a very, very quick release. His his shooting form is not um, prototypical for sure. He's got a little bit of that shoot to the side of his of his head by his right ear. Um which again, some people are going to be like, oh God, no, is this a Myron Jones situation? I don't think it's a Myron Jones situation. Um, it's it's a little bit of a low release, but because it's like low, it's like a very compact and quick release and it's very repeatable. So that's what I like, even though it's like an atypical kind of stroke. Um, it's very repeatable and it's very quiet. It doesn't have a lot of unnecessary movement and his footwork is, is, is very good. Um, every, everything is just like compact in a very, very good way. It's very efficient. And because of his, like, he doesn't have a lot of lift because he shoots it the way he does from his right shoulder to low release point. He has very deep range, um, with his jumper. So again, I think too, that for some people are going to be like, ah, oh, he's got six, two at the low release point. Well, he's able to shoot from pretty deep. So I think he kind of creates a little bit more space just by spawning up a little yeah. bit deeper. So um, that to me is the biggest thing that he brings the Gators, the, a team that is um, desperate for some shooting. I, I think the team was not as bad of a shooting team as the numbers bore out. I think that they had trouble making shots or sorry, creating shots. Um, but that's not to say they were an outstanding shooting team. That's to, to, to be clear. I'm not saying that, um, but they are bringing in an, a truly outstanding catch and shoot player in Walter Clayton, someone who I think honestly, um, like I haven't totally looked into it. So I'm not actually giving this, I'm not actually saying this as a take, but like as a, as someone who took 101 catch and shoot threes and hit 49.5% of them, he has to be in the conversation as, as tr like, I, like, I think we kind of throw it around a little bit, like, Oh, one of the best, this, or one of the best, this in the country, like to shoot 49.5% on 101 catch and shoot threes. Like that has, that, that, that almost certainly puts him in the company as like one of the best catch and shoot players um, in the country last year, um, which I think a lot of people are just going to be rejoicing at hearing uh, that the Gators are bringing a guy like that. Yeah, I wrote down that he was uh, he was seventh in the country on catch and shoots per synergy. Um, so that's <laughs> kind of a stupid, stupid good number. Um, 
to put a little more perspective on, on the things Eric said. And look, Florida could use another guy that can drive and attack the rim. Um, that would make Clayton even more lethal. Um, but I think what Florida now has is somebody that with a ball dominant player like Riley Kugel, Florida has Will Richard and Walter Clayton, which means that the Gators can space the floor. And if they attack, um, they're going to have pretty darn good catch and shoot options, Eric, which should raise, you know, I think Eric put it, I, don't, I forget if how you exactly put it, where you were like, you know, you got your floor raisers and your ceiling raisers. And like Walter Clayton is a ceiling raiser because um, he gives Florida another dynamic component to their offense, wherein like, I'm not sure how much great stuff Florida has to run to make Walter Clayton effective. Now, you know, does Florida need to improve schematically and offensively? Yeah. And I'm sure we'll spend plenty of time on this pod, like talking about that uh, this summer, once we see what the roster looks like and what might be the best fit for them. But just the fact that they now have him as well as where Richard, I think helps. And I do think his ability to shoot from a little more distance than will. And then his ability to get his shot off quite a bit faster than will Richard, um, I think makes it even more important that he's joining the team now. Cause I think it will ease pressure on Richard, who I still think is obviously a, a, an outstanding shooter as well. So here is uh, I, this will frame, I think, a lot of the conversation. Um, what position do you think Walter Clayton is best at, um, or what role, or uh, and uh, what role do you think he plays for the Gators? Of course, with the asterisks of there's still you know spots to fill here. Yeah, no, I had a, I had like two people that DM me, hey man, is is Walter Clayton a one or a two? And I responded yes. <laughs> um, and I'm, I, I really wasn't trying to be cheeky, but I mean, he's not really a point guard. Like the thing about him is that he's under control. Like I didn't mention that as like a super high quality, but like, I like that he plays under control has a pretty low turnover rate. Um, I wouldn't really consider him, you know, a traditional point guard though. Um, he's also not really an explosive, like drive and create guy. Like I know that a lot of people were like, Oh, you can get in and, get into the paint and, and, you know, he can give somebody to no, like that's not really his game. Like he has a nice mid range game too, because he's just a flat out good shooter. Right, Eric. But this isn't somebody that's going to attack the basket for Florida. This isn't a drive and create for Riley Kugel and Will Richard kind of guy. That's not his game. Um, and in fact, his fouls drawn for 40 kind of reflects that. I mean, it's pretty low. He's, we're not talking Matt Bradley, who was like, you know, it's the San Diego State guy who's 6'4", 220, and gets to the line a ton. We're not talking John L. Davis, right? Like, those guys draw contact, get in the lane, and really disrupt defenses by the way they attack. Clayton disrupts them the way that he shoots. Uh, so, you know, can he play the point? Sure. But uh, I still think Florida either has some things to do there or, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see like if Florida just kind of goes with Riley Kugel as ball dominant and he initiates the offense. Yeah. I mean, the, the numbers and my opinion um, would say that he is much better off the ball than on the ball. He ran a lot of pick and rolls last year at Iona. So I'm not saying yeah. he's not capable or uncomfortable, but 
it's just funny. Like I was shaking my head when you were saying that someone said he can get into the paint. And again, this will be funny for all our people on Patreon that can like watch the film. It is like a struggle to find clips of him. Yeah. Subscribe. Getting to, getting to like for getting layups, particularly out of, out of pick and roll. He is. And, and that's like, he just gets to his pull up all the time in the mid range. And it's interesting because I think he obviously likes that shot, but yeah, he is, he is not quick and he is not explosive, which is very interesting to me because when I heard that he was a player getting this is this 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 even goes back to when I learned before like a couple weeks ago that Florida recruited him as a football player because I think I was like oh I didn't think he was that you know football player explosive but like oh he must have been so I kind of went back to to the film and I was like man this guy is not twitchy at all like he's not hmm. not explosive not quick first step so it's kind of interesting to go back to Andrew Spivey who covers recruiting for um, Gator Country for football. And I said, like, you know what, like what happened? And he was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, he was a lot more athletic when he was younger. But when they brought him in as a sophomore or whatever to this Florida camp or whatever it was, um, he just like couldn't hang athletically. And that's, you know, why the power five offers he had in football dried up, not just from Florida, from others. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe he had some injury, whatever it is. He is. Yeah, he is not suit like there's. And I know this is going to make some people cringe, but there's a little bit of Kyle Lofton to his game where he is not getting to the, like he's not, he does not have an explosive first step. He is not getting to the rim a whole bunch. Um, the difference between him and Kyle Lofton is of course that Kyle Lofton couldn't shoot. And while uh, Walt <laughs> is a fantastic shooter um, also point out too, I think he hit 35% of his um, threes off the dribble, which is, you know, really good, really good actually. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just think like his, his pick and roll numbers are okay. His um, um, numbers when like driving in isolation, anything like that are just okay. And then you look at his catch and shoot abilities and they're absolutely spectacular. So to me, it's just like pretty clear that like you need to get him off the ball as, as much as possible. And uh, it'll be interesting because I do think like as, as currently constructed, I think it would kind of make sense that, you know, that the, the, the backcourt wing group would be like, Riley Kugel, Will Richard, and um, and Walter Clayton. But while like people would look at that that trio and say like, oh well, Walter Clayton's the point guard. I I, I really do think that yeah, it should be like Riley Kugel needs to be the guy with the ball in his hands. Yep. And then you've got Will Richard, who was a really good catch and shoot player last year, and Walter Clayton, who was an elite catch and shoot player last year. And you got those guys spacing it out. That would be yep. my interpretation. But I'll be really interested to see what I'd be interested in what Florida thinks. Um, and you know, I, I think still with their targets, if you look at who they're kind of after, and I, I think that they're looking at Clayton being a primary ball handler. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things too, that like when you look at a lot of players that like go to the mid major level out of high school and end up being a lot better. It's like, what is the, what is the limiting factor that had them go to have, have offers like East Carolina and Jacksonville out of high school originally like it's probably because of a little bit of that raw athletic ability and i do think that is a little bit of the limiting factor for for walter clayton who again is 6'2 i think he's listed at so and he doesn't look like a uh you know long tall no. six foot two out there so um it's not like I you mean, necessarily want to get like like it'll be interesting if the gators do get like a tyler perry um, right get another like small guard will they play those two guys together i presume yes by by getting them um but I, I, I do wonder if it's best to just like, hey, Riley Kugel is going to be the guy with the ball in his hands and and, and Walter Clayton is going to be that 49.5% three-point shooter, catch-and-shoot three-point shooter he was last year. Yeah, and I mean, they could 
theoretically start Walter Clayton as the point guard. You know, it could be point guard kind of in name only because when the when again when it's really just about how you initiate your offense. So if it's Riley Kugel with the ball, then it doesn't really matter if he starts at the point guard position as long as he's off the ball most of the time, which is what I think will happen. And as I said, I think it speaks to the fact that he's not explosive as a driver or as a finisher that he could finish second in the country in free throw percentage at 95.3 or whatever he shoot. I think that's what it was and still be not even in the top 500 in the country in fouls drawn per 40 minutes. Um, Cause you know that mm. a team like Iona was shooting a lot of free throws uh, at the end of games. And you know that Rick Pitino was getting the ball to Walter Clayton to make those free throws, which Florida will do next season. And that'll be glorious, by the way. Um, and even with those additional trips, he wasn't drawing enough fouls to be in the top 500 um, in that particular area. So I think, you know, if that makes you grimace a little bit, so be it. But I still think it's a ceiling raiser of a player because he really is just such a magnificent shooter. And, you know, Riley Kugel is a creator. So if Riley Kugel can create, there should be opportunities for Will Richard and Walter to knock down shots. Yeah, and again, I think something to to remember that I have to remember myself. I'm reminding myself is that yeah, he just finished only his sophomore season at Iona. So like finished product, um, probably not. And I think he took like close to 280 pick and rolls last year at Iona, which is like awesome. Like he got a ton of reps um running these plays. And like like I said, was he awesome in pick and roll? No, and largely because he just doesn't have that kind of quick bursty first step, but he still was like pretty good. And uh, there's obviously an opportunity for him to get much, much better. And I think that at least that's one thing that is is hopefully good is that like if he struggles to create offense individually because, because of that first step or size or whatever, the like floor for him should hopefully be someone who could come in and knock down a, a ton of shots. Um, and again, it's like, is as like, if you could like, is he Noah Locke? Like he very well could be, except like could, with, with a lot more upside, um, still some ability to sh- like the ability to shoot off the dribble that Noah Locke. Like, I think a lot of people would sign up for that experience um, once again. And again, I'm not saying that like the, the best comparison right now is Noah Locke for, for Walter Clayton, but I do think that could be one of the like, Oh, like if things don't work out quite as well as people think, well, I still think it's going to be like, like having Noah Locke, which I think a lot of people, I, I, that's going to be, that's the thing too, is I think if he, if he shoots 38% plus from three, people are going to be really happy. And then everything else um, could of course be gravy. But again, I'm just, I'd be very interested to know. Um, and I think we'll maybe see with who else they, they land in the portal, um, what role they have in mind. Um, but it's definitely like, it's, 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 it's a big one for sure. It was good to see. Again, I, I was really happy to see so many guys in the football community um, on the kind of recruiting trail. It's like, it's been a while. Like I can't really remember that happening necessarily where there was so many like football guys helping with the basketball recruitment. So it's kind of good to have like a, a, a local guy um, to bring some excitement there. Um, obviously there's going to be a lot of people in the, the football community that are going to be, have some um, going to be revitalized in their, you know, caring about Florida basketball. That's big too. So um, yeah, as much as again, I'm, it sounds like I'm going to poking holes a little bit in, 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 in his game a little bit. Um, I, I still, am, I still think this is a, this is a, you know, very, very good get by the Gators. Yeah. I mean, Noah Locke shot 43%. Um, the, the one season he was at Florida with a high level wing creator 
and really a, a, just a brilliant passer. So Florida doesn't have an Andrew Nimard type passer on the roster, but they had, you know, you're looking at a guy like Locke who shot that well just because Florida could space the floor with Nimhard and Keontae Johnson's kind of ability. Um, although, of course, Keontae, unfortunately, was lost for most of that season. But nonetheless, you know, you kind of look at that and uh, you realize that, you know, if that's if that's where he is, that, you know, 43% from deep in SEC play, I think Florida would take that in a heartbeat. Uh, given the number of shots he's going to get up. I did want to talk about, you know, the one guy that's that's in, uh, I believe his visit starts Friday night, um, and that is Tyrese Samuel. Um, you know, Eric mentioned that Florida's going after another big. I love Tyrese Samuel. I think he's a really good player. Uh, I think he is a SEC starter to be sure. Um you know, I think he could. He's he's kind of a fringe all league talent in my mind. Um, Florida went in home with him on Sunday in Canada. Uh, they sent Carlin Hartman up there, I think, um, to visit him in his house. He has listed Florida as his one of his final two schools. Uh, so he will either go to Florida or to Wake Forest, where he could play for Steve Forbes in the ACC. Um, and of course, Steve Forbes has been the transfer whisperer the last couple of years. So another big head to head for Florida in, in that regard. But what are, what are your thoughts on uh, Tyrese Samuel, the uh, the big man from Seton Hall? Tyrese Samuel is a perfect example of the biggest market inefficiency in the transfer portal. Um, I am stunned that he is down to Florida and Wake Forest as his final two schools. It is just, it is, it will never not be funny until people adjust just how intoxicated people are with the numbers of mid-major players, no matter how many of them do not pan out at the high major level. And I say that because there's a lot of people that look at Tyree Samuels 10 and six or whatever he was at Seton Hall um, and say like, oh, that's like, 10 and six, that doesn't do it for me or 11 and six. I forgot. Like, um, you know, uh, let's, we can do better. Let's go get a, a, a mid-major player who averaged 15 and seven in a bad league. I, again, I, I say it all the time. Like if you study these transfer, like it would be an like if Micah Hanlockton was at 11 and six next year at the sec, that would be incredible. That would be an incredible outcome. So again, I just think of Tyree Samuel as someone who is, proven the ability to compete and start at in the big East. That was a very good league this year. Great league. Um, yeah. Like that, like these are the players that just continually over and over and over and over again, high major teams. There, there's a massive market inefficiency because high major teams continue to get intoxicated with the idea of, of mid major players that have sexy numbers in, in bad leagues, instead of going after the guys that have proven they can compete at the highest level. So um, I, I, I see Tyree Samuel and I would be irrationally excited to bring in his um, to bring in a player like that, who has shown that he can compete at this level. There's no mystery box element of some guy with, um, coming in that you're not totally sure what they're going to do. You know exactly what Tyree Samuel is going to do. He's an outstanding defensive player. He's physical. He can rebound pretty well. I'd like to see his rebounding numbers be a little bit better. Um, but uh, looking at his, you know, looking at his kind of activity level, high motor. Um, yeah, that it's just like, he's one of those players too, that you like look at him and you're like, yes, that is a player you need in the SEC. Again, too often we've looked at the Gators over the last several years and said like, wow, they kind of look like a conference USA team from a size and athleticism standpoint. Like, 
Tyree Samuel passes the airport test. That is a, a, a guy who's who's built like you need um, a center to be. He's kind of put in the time. And so, again, I know a lot of people would be not enamored because they would see his numbers. Um, but the fact of the matter is, if you could kind of bring in a guy like that, um, that has proven high major production, that is exactly what I think the Gators need and exactly what I think tons of high major teams need um, and continue to get overlooked. I'm, I'm just astonished that his, his final two schools are, are Wake Forest and Florida when there should be a lot of, a lot of big name programs who are trying to bring in a guy like this. So um, I really hope like people can probably tell from my rant there that um, I really want the Gators to get Tyree Samuel. I think that would be a tremendous, tremendous get. Um, hopefully Carlin Hartman enjoyed his time and, the great Canadian city of, of Montreal, the best city in Canada to visit, in my opinion. Um, and it uh, shows you just how serious they are that they flew out there for an in-home visit. Yeah. You know, only a, not that long before he's coming anyways on, on an official. And, and uh, yeah, am I making that up? I think he is officially down to wake. Or I think there's a guy no, from, uh, he is. From, from, and I, I think it was reported by North Pole Hoops, who's kind of like the dominant recruiting coverage in, in Canada, that he was down to Wake Forest and, and Florida. So a uh, pretty good source for sure. Um, but you know, it's just, you know, you never know who could come in because in my opinion, if I'm, I won't say the name of the school, if, if I was a certain number of schools and I saw Tyree Samuel down to Wake Forest in Florida, I'd be like, Oh, I better get in that mix. Not that I think that ever, not that these schools should be thinking they should, they could always beat Florida, but with all due respect to Wake Forest, who has had their head coach openly say, we don't really have NIL and <laughs> it's we're struggling to get players because of it. Um, you know, there's, there's, I'd, I'd be trying to get in late to this one. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's my take on on Tyree Samuel, who I hope is starting for the Gators at center next season. Yeah, man, I hope so too. I I love him. Uh, you know, I know that he's played in a great league. He averaged twelve and a half points, seven rebounds, and two blocks per in their two games against national champion UConn. So um, if you can do that against their front court, you can pretty much bang with anyone. Uh, that is not a hot take. That is a fact. Um, he can get out and guard guards. Uh, he, he is capable of switching because he's that athletic and quick. I think he moves really well. And I also think Florida, like, look, if they're going to run some continuity ball screen and they're going to run, you know, uh, high pick and rolls, then this guy fits with that for Kevin Hub day. Um, because I think he'd be really good at setting the screens to initiate those plays um, just because he's so wide. And he's just a really good screen setter. I mean, he did all of that for, for the hall this year. I'm a little surprised he's leaving Seton hall, honestly. Um, but I guess, you know, greener pastures somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. I'd be thankful if he came to Florida, I'll just leave it at that. He was my, you know, I got asked, Hey, of these four guys left, which one do you want the most? And it was undoubtedly Tyree Sandal for me. Um, and I say that with with great respect for Tyler Perry, who we're not going to talk about on this podcast uh, yet because he's got a visit to Jerome Tang in Kansas State this weekend. And we'll see what he says when he gets back from the Little Apple. But, um, yeah, Tyree Samuel can flat out play. Yeah, so uh, it's and I'm really interested. I wish we could do a straw poll because, again, um, like talking to, um, again, I always reference one of Malik Grady's um, like basketball group chats um, on Twitter where like, they are like, could not care less about Tyree Samuel. Like he's just trash in their eyes. And they're like, Micah Hanlockton's going to come in and score 20 and 10. And I'm, <laughs> I'm only exaggerating slightly, but like, that's, 
They, sure. they, they think it is very clear that like for next season, Micah Hanlockton is an infinitely better player than Tyree Samuel, despite all data for the last, <laughs> since the transfer portal or, you know, before the, you know, um, <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's just wild. But then I see like on Gator country um, on the forums, which I'm always, you know, that's a great wild card about what they think. But I think there's a lot of people <laughs> that are like, Oh, like a guy who's shown he competed at the high major level, like, please sign me up. And maybe it's just because they, those are people that subscribe to Gator Country and have been reading my articles forever and know that, again, like I said, it is it is hard to get a mid-major player who you can confidently say can defend at yeah. a high level, at the high major level, and score 10 or 11 points on, on the offensive end. And, and again, that's the thing, too. I'm talking about his production from a from a points and, and rebounding standpoint where I'm glad you pointed out he's, got, he's one of the guys who has the size to kind of bang with the bigger centers of the biggies, but also switch on to switch on to guards. And uh, he's really got that defensive versatility that I think the Gators are really going to need. And uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd be interested to what the listeners here think. Of course, we've made our opinion clear, um, but, uh, and Hey, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting too, because the other conversation too, is like, especially with like, yeah, like this, you know, some people on Twitter was like, Oh, well, good. Like, you know, nice to have a capable backup in Tyree Samuel to Micah Hanlockton, <laughs> um, which is just, again, like, I'm just like, <laughs> It's it's you know interesting, but like hey, it would be great to have a you know a, a, a center center controversy there. But um, and again, I I actually in, in all seriousness though too, it would be interesting to see if they do get a, a Tyree Samuel, um, would they play Hadlockton and and Samuel together, or would it be a situation where you've got like a Donovan Klingon situation where like you bring in the seven foot one guy off the bench, um, and be dominant as a, as a backup? That, like that'd, that'd be really interesting interesting to see, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's I I just again I I wish that teams went for proven high major production, and you were like and again actually I it's I was gonna make this comment earlier. It's also of like talking about the market inefficiency. Last year I was like I was astonished that no one in the high major level was really going after Tyree Appleby, and then who comes in and says like oh this guy's proven he can play at the high major level. It's Wake Forest. Tyree Appleby goes in and is the, one of the best players in the ACC, arguably the best. I, you know, one player there, outstanding player in the ACC. Um, so it makes sense to me once again that here's a player that a lot of high majors are like, oh, I don't want the guy who's proven he can do the high major level. I want the mystery box of mid major guy. And here's Wake Forest once again going after the center who has proven he can compete at the high major level. Like again, I, I, I just. I, I, I want, I, I, you need high major players to win at high major levels. Can those guys come from the mid major levels? Um, yeah, yes, they can, but you're just gambling. You're, you're making calculated gambles going after mid major players, hoping they can play big roles at the high major level. Um, yeah. Give me, give me the, the proven commodity um, every single time. So um, fascinated by that one. Um, of course, I'd be interested to see um if the Gators would, would take that commitment right away, what they're still waiting on. Um, but uh, certainly something to watch and it's good to see the Gators. in. I know like, I don't really have anything to really add on Tyler Perry as well, though. I, I am a fan of his game, love watching him play. Um, but also just good to see once again, like, um, and again, I'll, I'll mention Malik again, who just always gets shout outs on the podcast because he does so much work on, on the portal. Um, anytime anyone asks me who Florida has contacted or where they're at, I just say, go to Malik's Twitter account. Um, he just always mentioned like, Hey, it's good to be in these conversations. And that's something that I definitely very much appreciate that. Like some of the best players in the portal are going to Gainesville um, or Florida is kind of in the mix with that's a, that's a good place to be. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, Florida also added a freshman officially now 
Um, so we can close with Alex Condon uh, signs with the Gators this week. Uh, 6'11", I think, uh, really, really athletic. So, like, kind of different. I mean, like, if you looked at, like, say, like, Alex Shimchek and you're thinking Alex Condon is similar to, say, like, Alex Shimchek, that is not what it is, y'all. Um, Alex Condon, I think, is a much more athletic player. Comes from the uh, Australia Center for Excellence, which is their NBA center, um, you know, NBA Academy. Uh, a lot of good players have have played there, including one of my favorite players of all time, uh, Patty Mills. Um, so, you know, y'all can laugh at that take if you want, baby. But imagine like Chris Chioza, but like with a bunch of rings and like a decade in the league. Um, no, I mean, that's that's my that's my take on Patty Mills. I could don't get me started on the Australian Center for Excellence. Though. The point is, he's going to know how to play basketball. He's also very athletic and like. Micah Handlock can better come and be ready to work. Yeah, I, I think that uh, just too, I think, I, I think Patty Mills might've been a, a teammate of Todd Golden's, um, but I, I love Patty Mills. Someone who can com- always competed as an undersized player, great shooter off the bounce, tough defend. Yeah, I love, I love Patty Mills. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those ones that like I, I don't know I, I know Jacob uh, Jacob Redner who's just at, like I know we mentioned earlier that he was like the best thing that happened to Florida basketball coverage in 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 a while he is just like he's just flexing on people at this point he is just like with his um with his recruiting stuff um, particularly with his um the way he's been on top of, of of visits and stuff like that like Jacob's work has been outstanding um this offseason. um. He was really good during the season. They just took it to another level. And and again, he just had an article um, about Conan, who I, which, which also I, I did just like quickly open it and saw that there was like a ton of video and I haven't watched it yet. So I need to go back and I watch that video to have a little bit more opinion because it was a little bit difficult to find stuff on him. And the stuff I did find was, you know, it's showed a very projecty kind of player. So um, I, 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 and again, it's just one of those things too that like, take Australian take Australian was football player out of the equation, like really thin six foot 11 freshman, just like the odds on that player contributing in the first year are, are just like that, just generally low. And that's, that has not, not saying because he's raw, because he's someone who I'm not trying to be like down on international prospects. I'm very happy the Gators are going after international prospects and going after what, um, you know, Todd Golden has mentioned has been a little bit of a market inefficiency in the SEC because people haven't really gone after these kinds of players. I just am in a position these days where like you just don't see many freshmen really competing at a high level um, outside of, I don't even know what, what number I wanted to say. I need to do a little bit, little bit more research before saying a definitive number. But um, <laughs> again, I'm not sure I'm quite ready to be like, Oh, here's a guy who's going to push to start um, or push to play minutes, but right. it would be, a, it would be a great, yeah. um, Hey, if he did, that would be, that'd be awesome because that means he's a heck of a player. So um, yeah, I think the two of the things that did come across um, in film is of course, just like the guy runs like a gazelle. He's just like, it, it gets to a full sprint early in transition um, plays extremely hard. Like, again, I think people are going to see him at first. Uh, if you don't follow Florida basketball coverage and there's going to be people who see him for the first time. And in, unless he gains a ton of weight, I'm assuming he's going to be pretty skinny as a freshman. So, and they're going to be like, Oh, here's this soft, you know, non-American guy. And I, and the thing is like, he is incredibly physical. And I think that that's like what I just think like Australian basketball is insanely physical at every level. And um, Australians are just like insanely competitive. And he played Australian football, which is like the most physically like 
it is just controlled chaos. It is a very, very physical sport that he played. Well, I would actually go as far as say it's a violent sport and he played it at a very high level. So like physicality is, is not going to be an issue. So I think that like when you put together, okay, six foot 11, high motor, great foot speed for a player of that size and someone who loves physicality and contact, um, I think that, yeah, that's a player you, you take a gamble on. So, um, which again, I, I, I just said, take a gamble on. I mean, I think on three might have him as like a top 150 player or something in that range now. So it's not like it's like a, a total dart throw. Um, but uh, it is a player that I'm very interested by. That's one of those ones that like, whenever the Gators have their scrimmage or play a exhibition or whatever, like that's going to be one of the guys that I like, can't wait to see get hopefully, you know, five to 10 minutes just so we can get a look at. Yeah, you know, uh, Dante Exum was the jazz guy that that was an Australian uh, rules, Australian rules football player, and then went to the NBA academy. Followed that path. He was a little bigger um, than than Condon is when when he was drafted to the NBA, but it was that freakish athleticism and that ability to to embrace physicality that made him a lottery pick, right? And I think, you know he was seemed like he was on his way to a really good career in the NBA. And then um, he had knee injuries, but uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying Alex Condon is, is headed to the NBA lottery, but I do think that that type of athleticism plays its way out in the sec. Like he has sec level athleticism when you watch him on video. And so it's just a matter of now he's going to be competing against better players. You know, I mean, he's everybody at Florida is good. Um, You know, and I know, I say that even aware, but they just finished 16 and 17 and, you know, more than half the team hit the portal, but everybody that plays at an SEC program can play a little basketball, right? These are high level division one players and Alex Condon has never competed with players this consistently good um, yet. So that's going to be a big step in competition, but he seems to embrace competition and, and yeah, I mean, the athleticism really does stand out on film. The rest of it is, is very raw, but like if you had told me like I could have one like Alex Shimchek or Alex Condon, like it took me ten minutes of video to say I would rather have Alex Condon. So that I'm I'm pretty excited about this uh, this player and and glad that he's uh, headed to Gainesville. Yeah, not that we like need to compare. I don't need to bury Shimchek. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. But- <laughs> but I agree with you or it's like, or you could take it one further. Would you take a tune gat kick or, you know, Osayo Sifo? Over right. Um, yes. It's going to be Alex Condon for sure. As a freshman that has not played, you know, shown that he can't compete at the junior college level. Um, you know, he's, uh, there's like, I'm going to take the Condon who's, you know, legit six eleven, And um, again, check some of the boxes in terms of like, Oh, is he thin? Oh, well, his physicality problem. No, not at all. The guy, the man looks like he right. loves violence. Oh, is it like, it's going to be a foot speed issue. No, like, especially in open floor, he's that's where he excels. Like there's, there's stuff to like the um, some of the shoot, like free throw shooting numbers are like comical. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, like there's some skill stuff that needs to, needs to be developed, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm intrigued by it um, for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, will, will he compete next year or be able to play, play minutes next year? Yeah. I just, again, I just think as is the case with most right. freshmen that aren't like elite um, and you know, Florida's looking for more pieces in the front court. So, um, but Hey, it's also, it's, it's, what have we said a few times on the podcast, both guys that we didn't really think we're going to play that like, if this guy ended up playing that it's like almost a 
it's either a really good sign because the player ended up being really good, or it's a bad sign because players that were supposed to be good um, weren't good. <laughs> I feel like that's maybe a little bit of the case yeah. with with Con. And it's like <laughs> if he's if he's playing a regular shift here um, in in February of next season, it's either because he turned out to be very good or things are going not very well for for Florida basketball. Um, and again, I I do like to see some um, some recruiting. Um, creativity that's got a track record again i just when when florida tried to go after guys that were not top 100 junior college players a couple years ago i just like that was a proven recipe not to work and you could see it from 100 miles away um but you get guys from high level nba academies um that's that is a proven um (laughs) that's a proven kind of way to have success so um yeah into that one um excited to excited to see him for sure yeah, so Florida has five uh, roster spots, so they're not done. They've got a lot of stuff to do still. Um, it's either four or five. Um, so there, there are <laughs> there are players to add. I'm really hopeful that Tyree Samuel is one because Florida's going to have to get a center. Um, you know, they got to bulk up that front court right now. The back court looks like it'll be one of the best in the SEC already. Uh, and you know that's even without a big leap from Denzel Aberdeen, which, you know, the coaching staff seems to think is going to happen as well. So um, yeah, we'll see, but that is Florida basketball hour. Remember to subscribe to our Patreon and please, please, please remember to check out the Gatorverse, which is the official sponsor of Florida basketball hour. Um, The Gatorverse provides you unique collectibles Uh, of its athletes give you an opportunity to put money right into their pockets. That's the way that NIL was intended to operate. Um, And Florida basketball hour is powered by the Gatorverse to learn more about the Gatorverse. um, Make sure to check them out online at Gatorverse.io. That's Gatorverse.io, or you can just type in Gatorverse in your Google bar. Um, but thanks to Gatorverse for continuing to sponsor our show. I'll let Eric send us away. I'm interested to see some of these Gatorverse have it. They got to get these uh, these new guys uh, signed up here because uh, Walter Clayton, he's got some good hair. I think they yeah, get a pretty good, pretty good avatar of him and 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 Alex Con. And I'm sure they could have some uh, have some fun with uh, with his. So looking forward to seeing those avatars. Um, I'll say when these guys are signed up to Gator. I should I not that I you know know it, but think think. Uh, it's time for Alex Hatsky to start working on, on signing those guys up. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, sorry we couldn't. We went a little bit uh, week and a half there without a show while big news was happening, but we're glad we could break it all down now. Uh, go Gators and keep attacking closeouts. <laughs>